Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. How many of you are making data-driven decisions on Shopify? Today's partner, Cinder, can relieve you from manual data entry and automatically generate an accurate P&L report, balance sheets, and inventory management for your business needs. Use coupon code EASYBOOKS for up to 40% off from the start and check out the Cinder Actionable Business Checklist for your success in the podcast description. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interviewing the experts to help you thrive and build a business that makes you money. For exclusive offers, bonus content, and weekly episode reminders, join our mailing list at winningwithshopify.com. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Winning Shopify podcast. If it is your first time on the podcast, welcome. It's such an honor and a pleasure to have you listening in today. Do check out our website, winningshopify.com. There's a few good resources on there, and you can also submit some feedback or some questions. If you have been tuning in for a while, welcome back. It's great to have you with us. And I love looking at some of the numbers and seeing how many of you guys are engaging every single week talking to a few different people over the last week who tune into the podcast. It's been amazing to hear some of the feedback and something in particular I just wanted to highlight this morning. Um, well, it's morning uh, where we are at the moment, but um, something I wanted to highlight quickly this morning was some of the episodes, some people have said that they tune in and think, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this or we'll give it a go anyway. But actually, you always find fruit in that episode. There's always something useful in it, which is a really powerful thing, I think. I've probably learned more over the years from, from things that have actually been unassociated with my direct day job. And that's where I think there can be some really good cross learnings um, throughout. So we're going to keep plugging with a lot of different topics as we go further into 2022. And last thing to flag before we come on to today's episode is if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. It really helps us out. Without further ado, then let's get on to today's topic. So today I am fulfilling a promise that I made on the podcast. We promised we were going to get gorgeous back on the show. And today that is exactly what we are doing. We're delighted to have them back to be talking specifically about social media, as mentioned with Louis from Gorgeous last time, although we don't have Louis on the show today and I'll introduce our guest in a second. But today we're going to be talking about great customer service through social media channels. It's not an obvious channel you might think of to think, okay, customer service and customer experience or dealing with somebody's returns, for example. But all of that is yet to be revealed on today's episode. Today, we've got Tyler on the show, who's partner manager at Gorgeous. So Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick, for having me. Happy to be here. Great stuff. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And as we do with all of our guests, give us a little introduction to yourself. And for anyone that missed the last episode, tell us a bit about Gorgeous. Absolutely. I'd be glad to. So my name is Tyler Davider. I'm a partner manager here at Gorgeous, similar to Louie, if you did hear the, the last episode. A uh, little background on me. I've spent majority of my career in tech, most of that being specifically within the, the e-commerce space. So I've got pretty extensive uh, background in like working in Magento platforms and, and Shopify, obviously, uh, you know, beyond that, once everybody made that switch. Um, and now my focus here at Gorgeous is working with marketing agencies specifically um, to help them implement Gorgeous for their clients that would be a good fit for it. Lovely. And just before we dive in, I've got to ask now, Magento versus Shopify, give us your opinion. 
Uh, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer depending on where you're at. My experience in working with Magento is a little bit old school, um, specifically because I was working in Magento 1 uh, before they kind of fully revamped and jumped into Magento 2. Um, but now it's kind of the obvious trend is like everybody's jumping over to Shopify just because it's so much easier to make the changes and modifications that you need on like a modular level, right? Whether that's revamping the site or just adding some integrations, like Shopify is kind of a, a no-brainer kind of regardless of whatever size your D2C store is. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. I think some of the clients who've moved from like Hybris, for example, which is Magento plus like another 50-fold in terms of functionality, cost, and complication. Just seeing people move across to uh, to Shopify and having that ease of just new page. Let's go for three columns. Let's put some icons in, a little heading. And you can just build pages so quickly. And you mentioned yeah the modular approach, so much better. Um, equally, it's not for everybody, though, is it? There are certain things you can't do on Shopify that something like Magento is absolutely required for. I mean, certainly. And that's, uh, you know, my background in working with Magento is more on like a wider scale uh, website dev as a platform. So like essentially that was how they were using it as well is they were having templates within Magento that just made it really easy to roll out updates to like multiple sites all at once versus Shopify, which is, you know, definitely more modular on the individual level. But if you are going to be rolling out and managing, you know, hundreds, if, if not thousands of websites, like sure, Magento definitely could be a, a good fit and use case uh, for that situation. But definitely on a personal level of just working within the platforms, like big relief for me to be spending more of my time in uh, in Shopify pages nowadays rather than uh, Magento. It can, it can get a little bit in the weeds there. Awesome. Well, let's let's move on. We're not talking about Magento Shopify today, although that, <laughs> that could be quite a good episode that we could do in the future. I think because I think certainly a platform comparison because I know a lot of people have just looked at platforms and gone Shopify is the obvious one you know they're they're basically the Amazon of the CMS world now which is not technically true but they are on their way but yeah I think certainly there, there are other options or yeah if you, the more customization you need the the more a plug and play platform is not really going to work for for your business so cool well let's let's talk about let's talk about customer service and social media then so a quick question just to kick things off what is a 101 of this like what what are we actually talking about today what is social media even part of customer experience or customer service more importantly Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely there's there's no doubt about it that when you're running a, a big brand or a small brand, like you have to have socials and you have to be engaging with the people that are engaging with your socials. And it, it really breaks down into, I, I want to say, two separate groups of customer interaction, right? And, and there's customer service being one of those, absolutely, where it's pretty straightforward, right? Somebody comes to you with a question or a problem and you respond, you essentially close that ticket within your social media channels. Uh, but there's another aspect of it, which you know I, I like to call customer care. Okay. Um, really about like proactively meeting those customers' needs uh, in terms of you know being on socials. So you know having a help center, allowing them to uh, to kind of do things themselves, uh, providing like a, a self service uh, option for them. Education, interaction, just like responding, liking comments when people leave a little heart emoji, like leave a heart emoji back. You know, little <laughs> things like that really ties yeah. into you know how you can just effectively build a community on these platforms and get people to keep coming back and feel like they're talking to a real person when they reach out to your brand. I'm going to take us on a second tangent, and I know we've only been recording now for six minutes. Um, let's go on a second tangent. Sure. Help center. I mean, as someone who's got a background in SEO, a help center is absolute gold dust, obviously, for content. 
talk us through like how does a help center work like what what does it look like and what what can it actually achieve for you on customer service i mean i think the ultimate goal that you know a lot of business owners look to like a help center for is reduction of tickets essentially right they get a lot yeah. of tickets that are like where is my order like what do i do if xyz piece breaks or i need to issue a refund so rather than having all of these customers reach out on an individual basis on twitter instagram facebook and you know sending you emails like providing an option that allows them to just go in and, and see for themselves in you know somewhat of like a FAQ page or you know even beyond that like a full service help center um, which is also included when you, you use gorgeous that's that's really a, a factor involved in just making sure that the customer is as taken care of as possible and when they don't want to talk to a person or they don't need to talk to a person it's just like a small question they're able to get find that answer to their question just very quickly in a short amount of time. Nice. And I, I love the fact that it's, um, as you say, if you don't have any free time, or actually, if phone support is the only customer support this company offers or email, email, you could be waiting for days, weeks, months, as far as the customer expectations concerned. And also with phone, you've got to call up. And by the time you've even got through to somebody, you could have finished, you know, finished your entire journey and found the answer yourself in the help center. And the, the bit I mentioned as well about content is it, if you've got lots of content about your products, Google's going to want to rank you higher. So if you've got this whole help center of how to install my sofa, how to put it together, how long does the warranty last? What do I do if it turns up and I don't like it? You know, having all of these different help center topics is all big content about your type of sofa, which is all good for, again, pushing those keywords up, uh, up the face of Google. But the help center can also assist with customer service, can't it? Because if you've got that content there and someone says, I can't find my order, I need to do a return, or um, how do I get a refund? customer service instead of reading it and computing it in their minds and writing a response and you could just have a predefined response couldn't you just to say oh here's our you know this this is how to send a return and just ping them the link or copy and paste the the content from the help center exactly yeah and i, I love the way that you're thinking about uh, a help center as well just because you have you know such an extensive background in seo and that's definitely my background as well before working at gorgeous like a help center and all these faq pages like it was just a way to boost your ranking essentially and seo is yeah is such a, a deep talking in itself. I, I would like to stay out of the weeds if possible there, just so you know I don't make myself look <laughs> dumb. Fun. But you know, from a, a service perspective, like that's where that's where the help center that um, we're offering and, and that we're looking at uh, really just helps the most because when customers you know are reaching out and, and like you said even when people do reach out with questions that are accessible on the help center that's where you can be leveraging a tool like gorgeous to automate some of those responses out so if somebody reaches out asking hey i would like to make a, a, a return um great here's our uh, return process and page within our help center you send a link our software gorgeous can actually like analyze the messages that are coming in and potentially close that ticket, send out the link to uh, to resolve their problem uh, without an agent even touching it. So from a customer service perspective, I think there's you know, no no amount of understating that can be done with uh, with having a help center just because it, it's going to make the whole process overall from a uh, customer reaching out um, on any channels or finding it themselves just so, so, so much more efficient. Definitely. And it, I, I love that example as well of somebody asking a question on social media and your tool automatically going, oh, here's the answer and closing the ticket and everybody moves on with their lives. And it's all done very quickly and very efficiently. Not to mention, it's also a good link for SEO. But we'll stay out. We'll stay, stay out of the SEO chat for today. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just so efficient, isn't it? And I think customers just want the information quickly, especially, it, you know, if we talk a little bit about the emotional side of customers, 
if you're trying to return something or if you're reaching out to a brand for help, nine times out of 10, it's because there's a negative in place, isn't there? So actually, if you are slow to reply or you don't reply with the right kind of content or answer their question quickly and efficiently, you're going to just be adding so quickly to that customer's problem, almost like they're hanging on a cliff edge and you want to get them off the cliff as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't have been said better exactly. And, and the problem with uh, with slow response times in, in any of these channels as well um, results ultimately in more tickets being opened by that customer, right? Because if a customer reaches out via email and doesn't get a response, then boom, all of a sudden they're calling you and then boom, all of a sudden they're flaming you on Twitter and then they're DMing you on Instagram. And all of a sudden you've got all these tickets and all these channels open up from one customer with one issue versus you know the original solution which would be a lot more effective um, in terms of taking care of the customer and just really representing the brand well of resolving it on that first get-go in a timely manner so that way 24 hours go by after sending their initial inquiry they're not blowing you up again and then also adding fuel to the fire for for them saying hey this product doesn't work i reached out two days ago and the day after that haven't got a response like it really could be resolved essentially at that that get-go right within a, an hour or two um, to respond to the customer take care of them, make sure that they feel, you know, appreciated and, and valued and really just resolving whatever problem they have, whether that's, you know, return or they're just like, maybe have like a, a usability question with your product. Like, hey, I'm not quite sure how to do this or did I set something up wrong? Like, we just want to make sure that, you know, we're helping them out in a, in a timely manner. And, and beyond that, you know, to add to the, the subject of, you know, the help center, like yeah, yeah. it's not necessarily that we just need to, you know, send a link to the help center, right? Like, oh, here's a link to the answer of your question. Like having a centralized documentation like that can absolutely tie in a ton of value when, you know, you are looking at responding on specific social channels. So if I do want to respond like in Instagram comments, right, rather than posting a link there, then making people, you know, copy and paste the link because sometimes they're not always clickable on your phone and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like we can just take, uh, you know, a relevant excerpt from the help center article, um, you know, post that into uh, into a response. Or like I said, even automate that out by creating specific snippets and excerpts that will respond to those tickets essentially automatically. Okay, so many things I could pick up on there. <laughs> so I'm going to restrict it to just one or two. I think one, one thing's really key, and it's we, we used to talk a lot um, in the industry years ago about what we used to call customer first. And it was just, you could put that in front of anything, customer first marketing, customer first um, delivery times, you know, like whatever you want. But what you've just mentioned about the mobile phone and not being able to click on that link easily, or then your phone says, are you sure you want to open a link from an email? And so it's just another step. And it just, again, it adds to this ever increasing frustration in the customer. So the customer first response is to meet the customer wherever they are. And in this world, it's what on whatever technology they're on. And we know from looking at the data, how many people shop on mobile and operate on mobile and check personal emails during the working day on mobile you know, you see where this is going. I think having it being user-friendly and, and easy to get to, it's just so important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to the add to that point of, you know, customer first, like, I, I love that. And, you know, when I was working uh, retail jobs in college, there's always this uh, expression of the customer is always right, right? And both of these <laughs> expressions, customer first, yeah. and, and the customer is always right, doesn't always mm. necessarily mean that, like, you have to, you know, bend to every uh, will and need of the customer. It's not like everybody tweeting at your brand on Twitter, like, hey, I want free product needs or deserves free product. That's not at all what I'm saying. But the customer first and the customer is always right in the sense of responding on all of these channels within social media, I think just is more of an indicator that the customer is right in expecting a response in a timely manner. Um, and there's been some some good data and, and studies on that, that 
You know, a lot of people who do shop online and do use social media do just expect brands to be responsive on all of those channels. Um, so it's it's so so important to to make sure that we are you know providing that type of community experience where if somebody does reach out you know anywhere here, we are putting them first and we are making them feel cared for, um, and we're doing it in a way that is you know beyond automated, personalized. Right, we're responding using their name, we're responding referencing the product that they've bought and maybe the date that they bought it, things like that. So that way they know like, oh, I am talking to a real person, whether or not they are. I, I think there's, there's so much more opportunity than there's ever been, isn't there? In terms of, you mentioned about automation as well, which we will come on to shortly. Um, but there's just, there's so many opportunities to A, do it right and B, do it really wrong. <laughs> so I think we've got to be really clear as to wh- which way your business is going to do it. Um, the second thing I want to pick up on from what you were just talking about is if you don't respond to it quickly, and, and this is where social media plays such a, pivotal role and can be again so dangerous or so effective for your business is if you don't respond to it quickly that you start creating as you say multiple i mean you guys call them tickets multiple tickets where they're now you know complained on instagram and heard nothing and then they've seen that you've replied to somebody on twitter so now they're complaining on twitter now you've got two very very public complaints or problems to deal with and you could have fixed it with just the just the first one Exactly, exactly. And and that's really the way that, you know, it, it should be is, is solving it on that that first initial interaction. Because now you've got a situation where somebody's reaching out on multiple channels just because they're not sure where the brand is going to be the most responsive and, and they need help and they feel like they, their problem is, you know, so immediate that it needs to be resolved quickly. Now we've got, you know, effectively, like if I'm working in a platform like Gorgeous, three different tickets, potentially with three different usernames that are not all associated with the email in which they place the order. And now tracking all that down and having, you know, potentially if I'm a big brand, like multiple agents responding to different tickets in different fashions, like that opens up a whole slew of other problems, right? Where now we've got a situation where the customer says, well, well, this other agent told me X, Y, Z. And yeah, I mean, I think really consolidating it down to, you know, the speed is is not necessarily going to take away from, you know, your efficiency in other places. Like if you are prioritizing responding off of that first interaction, like it's going to overall just give the brand a lot more credibility when it comes to making a customer feel like, hey, this is a legit brand that does care about me and will solve my problem. And hey, even if I am getting a, a return and, and the brand reaches out in a, a quick, timely manner and they, they resolve my problem, I'm very likely to, you know, potentially shop there again, especially if it's something like, you know, clothing or, or makeup. Like absolutely, if they if they take care of me and they return the shirt quickly and there's no problems and they make me feel appreciated, like I'm probably going to buy something else. Maybe I just didn't like the shirt. Maybe it was the wrong size. Like great opportunity to, to boost retention. And in one of our firms, you know, actually, um, that we were uh, working with, um, had shown like significant data to substantiate that, that customer loyalty improved 33% when there was that level of engagement on all channels with, uh, customer service related, you know, issues and concerns. Wow. And I, I think it just goes to show, doesn't it, that it, as I said earlier, it's so easy to break customer trust and it's not the easiest thing to gain it. It's simple to gain, I would <laughs> say, but it's just not easy in practice in terms of getting all those different points correct. I, I spoke to a brand years ago that they had this sort of how many problems reached one of the directors and they literally kept it like a score chart and it, it wasn't to hold any of their staff accountable. It's just that was an indicator for them in the early days of um, how many big problems do we have? You know, how often does somebody very, very senior 
you know, we've all had it on live chat where it's like, oh, let me get my supervisor. And you're like, great, we're through to someone who can actually do something. And you, know, you feel like you're in the power seat. Exactly. It wouldn't be required if somebody just said, oh, yeah, you know, you've, you've signed up to our contract. You've got a 14-day grace period. You're still within it. I'll get that cancelled now for you. And it's like, well, you know, jobs are good. They, that service wasn't for me, but I'm not going to speak ill of them. You know, they, they cancelled everything absolutely fine and we all moved on with our lives. You know, it was nice and easy. And I, I, and I did it on a platform that was right for me, whether that's social media or it's, um, you know, through live chat or even on the phone or in some scenarios face to face. And, you know, I think it's, uh, it's important to get this right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the channel being the most comfortable for you is I think it ties back into that point of, you know, customer first and, and customers always right. Like the, the customer is going to reach out where they're most comfortable. Right. And so whether that's going to be like, oh, I actually know the person who runs this brand. I'm going to reach out to the founder of the brand themselves or I follow them on Twitter. So I'm going to reach out on Twitter. Like maybe they don't care enough to go to the website and, and use the chat feature or, or use the email feature um, to send in a message to support, but they are comfortable reaching out on Twitter and, and some tweeting the brand or directly adding them as essentially um, when they do have an issue or just a general question, like wherever they are most comfortable is where we want to take care of them because they're going to be most comfortable there with a response rather than the experience that you've probably seen. Like, Oh, we're reaching out on Twitter. Can you send us an email here? Like, why do I need to send an email there? I'm on Twitter. Now you're on Twitter now responding. Like, just resolve the question here rather than having me sort through my email. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people out there are the same, like their email is just jam packed with a bunch of spam and, you know, stuff can easily get lost there. So if it's easiest for them to manage their inquiries and questions and, and problems towards a brand uh, on any one of these social media channels, like we just want to make sure we're taking care of that uh, on those specific platforms. Yeah, it's a very, very good point you make as well of the, you know, just almost bringing back brutal memories in my mind of when you're sitting on Twitter um, and you're DMing a company to say like you know is my flight cancelled i can't work it out or anything the fact that they're like well you know why don't you email our flight department it's like no no i'm in the airport right now like and you're talking to me just answer the flipping question like let's just get on with this <laughs> you know, you, you, why can't you just log into the system and tell me i think it's so valid so let, let me ask a really big question then this is gonna be quite a big topic i think to chat about do you think that brands are using social media effectively in terms of customer service and engaging with customers? Or do you think they're missing a trick? Or do you think generally brands are doing it pretty well? They're just not quite not quite scratching the entire itch. You know, I think generally brands understand the value of, you know, social media channels and in, in interacting with customers. But I think too many of them are, are thinking about it from a sense of, you know, growth and revenue. Like I'm just going to use Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok to grow my revenue and, and to make more sales, which I mean, definitely it's a, a great channel for all of those things. But when it comes to actually building a community. And I was I was talking to, um, you know, maybe you're familiar, he's like a, a serial entrepreneur out here, Jason Wong about, um, you know, specifically this topic. Yeah, yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. Do you know Jason? Oh, awesome. Um, so this topic of like building a community, and it's not fully related to, you know, just shoving every new product and, and update down their throats in the in the form of posts. It really has to do a lot with just engaging with people. And, and I bring up that point of like, you know, somebody leaves a, a heart emoji on your post on Instagram when you do have a new product that comes out and you respond like, hey, glad you like it. DM me for a coupon code or, or something like that. Um, like that experience is is just so much better um, for the uh, the end consumer than you know just paid advertisements kind of all the time running at their faces like if we are able to build up community we are able to 
create a natural following um, and then guide them to a place where they can you know engage with other members of the community. I think that's really like the the end goal that we're looking for. And, and something that, you know, Jason had done um, really well with some of his brands is like he would get some of his most active followers and, uh, you know, people that are, are endorsing his brand essentially for him uh, and got them into like a, a private invite only discord where that's where they're able to test new product. And that's where they're able to uh, talk to each other about like what's going well, what they liked, what they didn't like. And it's in a very segmented location at that point where we've identified, you know, the the champions of our brand that are, you know, external in, in a customer sense. And now we're able to utilize them for product research and knowledge and insights about, hey, are we doing this well? And that's where a place you can, you know, kind of directly ask your, uh, your customers is like, hey, do you guys think we are doing enough to respond, to engage, to be active on these channels? And, and so, you know, in, in full, I think, uh, you know, to summarize, like, I know, I don't think, you know, brands are doing nearly enough to, uh, to engage on that level and, and identify how to engage. I think some are doing a, a great job. And I think, you know, like one great example would be like Wendy's, right? Like, you know, Wendy's Twitter is, uh, is fire. They are always putting out content. They are, you know, roasting people <laughs> in the chat and things like that. And I don't think every brand needs to go to that level, but identifying like what your tone and what your voice is going to be across all of these channels and, and making it uniform. So that way the brand has a personality is just so valuable in building up that retention and that following that is, you know, almost cult-like when you have that that key champion group of customers that just love your product, they love interacting with uh, the brand on social channels. Like it's that's if we can get to that level and that tier and that degree where you know everybody that's following is a champion of the brand and is very excited about everything that you guys are doing and, and commenting and getting responses. Like that's the gold standard of where brands should be at. And I no, I don't think you know a lot of brands are there right now yeah I, I completely agree i think there's there's definitely room to do more and some of it as we said already could be so simple as just responding to customers i mentioned before we hit record that whenever we get asked by sort of newer startup shopify stores and and i know a lot of you guys listening right now are in that place just based on talking to a lot of you and you know running this for a while like so many of you are like look i'm still running my day job the shopify things a side project and so my next question is going to be specifically for you guys i think but just to make the point that it's it, it's difficult to then respond to like every single comment but in the early days you've got to it's part of that just hard graft you know there's lots of analogies and phrases people have used over the years of just pushing through that first barrier but this is part of it you know you can learn so much from your customers by talking to them on social so the question for them really is you know okay tyler this sounds amazing like if i had all the time in the world and all the money in the world i'd sit there talking to my customers a lot and sorting all of this sort of stuff out and um, there are ways to do it without it being super draining plus and this is all part two of the question as well is there can be commercial gains from this. So in terms of finding investment, there are ways to make this play into your hand as the, the store owner, as the business, so that actually it's not a drain on resources to manage customer support. Actually, the customer support is driving revenue on its own, and you can set, it, set your own KPI target to it. What are your thoughts? Like, is that achievable? Does that, is that real? Is there a way to do this without it becoming super cost-effective. I know you're about to tell us about Gorgeous, um, but <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, there a way that this can be achieved without, without it you know, costing the earth? 
I mean, absolutely. So I, I think, you know, to talk more to these these smaller brands that are maybe just getting started on like a, a Shopify platform and, and maybe they don't have much of a following on, you know, Instagram and Twitter and, and uh, you know, TikTok, all the, all the big ones that, you know, have impacts on their revenue. Like, I think there's small things that we could do that just don't directly involve like the founder of the brand logging into their smartphone and then responding to all these inquiries um, and uh, reacting to all these comments and anytime they get engagements. Like I, I don't think that's sustainable or scalable, but I think in an early sense, like, you know, there's there's just a checklist of items that we can do um, to to help get us off the ground, right? So, like, you know, step one is obviously just fully update all of your relevant social media profiles. Make sure that everything is consistent, uh, so that way we, we have congruency of the brand across all of these channels. And then step number two, once you've done that, like that's just kind of initial setup, uh, is to set some smart goals as to what you want to do. And goals could be in the sense of content planning and uh, in scheduling, right? I want to have. X number of posts on Instagram a day. I want to tweet this many times a week. I want to get to this many followers by this time of the year. Those are all really relevant questions to ask yourself is like, what is the purpose of these social media channels? And what goals do I want to have to reach them? And then once we've got those goals, then we're at the next step, which is, you know, really building it up, identify and connect with your audience that is the most relevant to your product, right? Use the brand logo and name to promote it all over the places that you can make it so that your friends are, are also boosting the brand and, and posting on, on their channels to really raise awareness. And then once we do get to that certain scale, and we're starting to hit some of those milestones and those goals, there's going to be a point where it does become to your point, like somewhat unmanageable and unrealistic for one person to go in there on their smartphone and manage all of these interactions within their social media channels. So at that point, once you're at that scale, maybe you've hit some of your goals and you're you're really reaching a point where, okay, now I'm starting to uh, to make some money as a brand and like this is going really well. I, I want to scale it and I want to make it so that this is super effective down the line as we grow and continue to grow. That's where you should look at automating some of this stuff out. Um, now, beyond the tool like Gorgeous, which absolutely can do you know pretty much everything that I'm describing here of like analyzing messages, comments, uh, inquiries as they come in, uh, respond automatically, and also you know assign rapidly to agents to get things that need a little bit more of a, a custom touch. Um, there are like internal moderation tools that you know you could use as well. I think uh, you within Instagram, you can filter out certain keywords. So if people maybe you have a controversial product and people are leaving a bunch of negative comments and it's becoming tough to moderate like you can block certain words and, and terms from appearing in your comments and in effectively you can do that you know pretty well on like all channels right now and then once you are ready for it and you're like okay this is becoming a lot to manage and now we're getting positive inquiries they're getting things that we need to react to to build that community boom that's where you should really look at using a tool like gorgeous that brings all of your social channels into one place so that way you can view every timeline and history of every single customer and every single interaction that's coming in through these channels to like messages, to respond to messages, to offer discount codes to boot um, to, to potentially uh, you know reach out and DM people like directly. Like all of that can be done through one platform, uh, gorgeous essentially. That just doesn't require any one person to handle this themselves and to have, like I said, the founder uh, reaching out on all of these platforms and, and managing all of these incrementing. Uh, tickets and support inquiries, like, like I said, like that's really not scalable. And so once you are at that point where it's like, hey, I don't know how long I can keep this up, and I don't know how sustainable this is that you know I'm actually personally going through and, and responding and reacting, like that's where Gorgeous absolutely comes into play, and you should be looking at using a tool like Gorgeous to achieve those. 
I think, I mean, I think it's brilliant. And we, we use Gorgeous ourselves just to be totally transparent, um, which is one of the reasons we got in touch initially. I think it was three or four years ago before my involvement. Our original founder got in touch and said to, to you guys, do you want to come on the podcast? And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, and can we start using the platform sort of thing and get a demo of it? And it's, um, it is really useful. And um, we've connected it with stuff that we don't think we would ever would have connected it with at all. Like, for example, we're an official Shopify expert. We get inquiries through the Shopify portal, people looking for our services. And we can talk back to customers through the portal, but via Gorgeous. We don't have to log into Shopify or any of our social channels. And I think it is really useful, but actually I think something's really, really key. Again, going back to the small sort of more startup shops, you need that volume first. You, you need a tool when you need a tool. And until then, actually, as you say, like the, the founder will be responding to everything initially, which is the best place to start because the founder needs to be the spearhead of the business. So it's all very well, you know, getting people in to work for you. But I've always lived by the lived by the rule of I'll get people to come and work for me that can do things that are already happening rather than inviting somebody in just to start something completely from scratch. We'll start it, get somebody in and start scaling it up from there. And so I think with customer service or social, it's difficult if and I've seen brands do this. You just hire, you know, the Josephine or Dave, the 19-year-old <laughs> who's just out of college, right? Sit in the corner. You do all the digitally things and make us millions of pounds. And it, it just doesn't work. You know, that's not properly investing in, in the process. Exactly. Yeah. Because, because that person, you know, Dave or, or Josephine as well, like they're not going to have the full insight and understanding of the brand and the product that the, the founder does. So, you know, in those early stages, like I think absolutely like make it so that there is one person, you know, particularly high up in the company, if not the founder, um, that understands very well like what the most common inquiries are what some of the obstacles they're facing in you know recognizing you know this brand and, and this product as a community on all of these social platforms and, and once we have like a baseline established then yeah then you can bring in dave and, and josephine and a tool like gorgeous to say like okay now that we have a good understanding of like what the common stuff is that we're seeing now we have a good understanding of the standard operating procedures that we could follow to build it up bigger to get more brand recognition to make more sales and to just provide top tier customer service definitely definitely no and i think uh, yeah i think getting that whole process started and then dave and josephine <laughs> in your car exactly crack, crack on from here but i think the, the other key thing the, the only thing i would add to what you just said and um, i agree with everything you've just mentioned but the only thing i would add is in those early days when you are the founder for your own sanity just get a spreadsheet i love a good spreadsheet and color code it do whatever you want um but get a spreadsheet and document, not word for word, but just generally, someone's asked about this, and this is my general response. And then if you decide that actually, when people ask about returns, there's three different responses I send, we'll write all three in your spreadsheet. Because then when these questions come in, you can actually copy and paste the same thing, or you're essentially lowering the time required to respond when you're doing it manually. And you're also lowering the brain capacity required to think about what you're doing because you've got a million other things going on. So responding to someone that just said like, oh, my return took four days instead of three to come back or, um, you know, to, to be able to say, oh, really, really sorry for that. We've had a slight delay, but we've got it now. We'll make sure that gets sorted today. Case closed. Having that written down ready to go is so important. And then when you do start to expand your team or use a tool like Gorgeous, You've actually got the copy and the content for your help center, your FAQs that go on the website, which we spoke about earlier. Plus, you've already got some of the content and copy ready to go into a tool that you might start using. Or if you're pre-tool still, you might give to somebody else to say, when someone asks about returns, we always make a point of mentioning this. 
because that works for our customers. We've tested it. The founder wrote it initially. We always talk about that. And then somebody can come in and start evolving and testing and, and developing that process. But it gives them something to work with when, when they first arrive. Exactly. And you know, I love that idea of, of kind of going like old school with a spreadsheet. I love a good spreadsheet myself. <laughs> um, and I think it's it's insanely valuable because like we do obviously have sales conversations with brands all the time that don't use a help desk or aren't using a tool like Gorgeous. And when we ask that question, like what are some of the most common support tickets that you see? Like it's not like there's any real substantiated data there, right? It's very subjective answers that we typically get like, oh, where is my order, right? Like, yeah, everyone gets that. But we don't actually have an understanding of like the percentages of which these are coming in, the rate at which they're coming in. And so oftentimes what we end up seeing and what ends up happening, I, I have an implementation partner that I, I work with that actually does a very similar thing within Gorgeous. So when they're identifying like what should the standard operating procedures be, they essentially export all the tickets from Gorgeous into a spreadsheet and identify the uh, the common things that they're seeing. And they can have a very itemized list of like how often certain inquiries are, are coming up. And then, you know, like you said, building up that, that standard operating procedure. So when you are in those early stages, like there's so much value in having that established and having those, you know, templated responses ready to go even at an early stage. And you can even take it a, a step further where like if you are you know somewhat kind of managing this from your cell phone like you can add templates into uh like keyboard shortcuts uh, right there within your iphone and that's an easy way to respond just like on a, a wider scale um to all of these inquiries that are coming in you identify you know three of the top most common things that people are asking you build up a couple templates within your phone and then you know boom you can respond very quickly before you're at that scale where you know you need a help desk to help automate this and you know potentially bringing in some new hires to uh help take some of that workload off so yeah, even at the early stages, like there's things you can do to provide yourself with those level of automations and the, just really those quality of life improvements that is going to make your job so much easier in building that community and providing top tier customer support, even before you're a, a massive, you know, multi-million dollar brand. Definitely. Uh, work smarter, not harder. That's one of my catchphrases. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, if you can work smarter without having to work as hard, then absolutely box ticks. Now, Possibly our final point. We might come on to one, one other thing afterwards, but customer service. I mean, it can get so expensive, can't it? I mean, there's so many costs and what I sometimes call cost pressures um, and, and pressure from cost put on the business. You know, you're buying your products in, you're paying for marketing. Shopify might seem cheap on day one. It's not so cheap when you've got $20,000 a day going out um, <laughs> because of transaction costs. And then you need developers and staff and the rest of it. And then suddenly there's this kind of, other bit of like, oh my gosh, and we need to pay to offer free returns. We need to talk to the customer to organize a free. It all just gets very, very expensive. So I mentioned earlier about the commercial side of customer service. Like, could you turn what might feel like lots of negativity towards your business and returning things, product arrived broken, I hate your business, please give me a <laughs> refund, <laughs> you know, right, right the way through those things. You get all of that and it can feel really negative and it can feel really expensive to deal with it. And you're sitting there going, oh, now, now we need to make more sales to cover the cost of all this customer service and the tools required, et cetera, which then adds even more pressure because then you've got more customers coming in. And naturally, you know, if, there's a, if you do have a problem with your delivery courier, you're going to keep getting delivery problems. How, therefore, can we turn this customer engagement that might seem negative and start negative? How can we turn it on its head and start making a profit from it? How can we generate more sales and you mentioned earlier about lifetime value how can brands really start to focus on that to, to deliver actual revenue from what might seem like 
a long list of complaints and refunds? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great question, Nick. And I, I think fortunately, you know, Gorgeous is built on a, a few key pillars of of customer service, and and one of those being efficiency. And I, I think that should be the place to start, right? If we're looking at like, oh my gosh, how expensive can this be? Like, we need to start by building the most efficient process possible. So that standard operating procedures, standard responses that we are bringing to the table when people do come at us with that, I hate your brand, I never want to buy from you again. Like we need to have processes in place to make that feel like not the world ending event because it, it's not right. Essentially, we can earn that customer back. They're probably upset about, you know, some minor issue that we can resolve, whether that's in the way of just, you know, issuing a refund and then we don't have to deal with that customer again um, or issuing a refund, inquiring further, right? Like what went wrong? Like what can we do to help offering a discount code? Um, and that brings us to another pillar of gorgeous, which is turning customer service into a revenue generation channel. And I think that's where um, the value really comes into play, right? Like efficiency is one aspect to it that helps drive down the costs associated with, you know, responding to these negative inquiries when they come in. Um, but another, you know, really important part of what we're doing here is we're trying to provide a way to engage with customers um, that drive sales. So that can be a number of ways, right? That can be on uh, social media channels. We have uh, a way to identify social leads effectively. So if we are running, you know, a sponsored post on Instagram and, and people say like, oh, this looks so awesome. Like how much does it cost? Um, then we can build out workflows uh, to reach out to that customer directly, DM them. Hey, it costs 70 bucks, but I want to offer you a 20% off coupon code because you're so excited about it and because you engaged with the brand. Boom. Now that we got a customer that is excited, they are really happy to have engaged with the brand. They're probably going to do it again for some more positive publicity. And that's one way that we can turn it into like a revenue generation channel. Now, beyond that, there's other you know instances pretty much like built into the website, right? Like people talk about chat all the time as a, as a way to increase conversion and uh, bring in more sales. And that's another thing that you absolutely can do within Gorgeous, right? If somebody's spending uh, a little bit of time on a, a page buying a t-shirt and then boom, we have a chat bot that pops up and says like, would you like to get these shoes? Here's a coupon code for the shoes. They match the shirt really well. What's your size? Add to cart here. Like all of those ways between, you know, self-service, automated responses and really strategies around how we're addressing these negative inquiries really just help turn this, you know, essentially painful channel that like, it feels like it's just a pain in the butt to deal with um, into a way to generate revenue for the business and really keep costs down on the, the side of service, labor, and just, you know, general refunding, shipping costs, things like that. Um, if we make that process as efficient as possible, and then we also look at how efficient that process is and how we can convert that into a revenue generator for companies, that's where we're kind of at that that golden standard of customer service. And, and again, that's really what Gorgeous is all about providing. Amazing. And I, I love the fact you're talking about, you know, sort of if you're looking at, um, I mean, it's classic with clothing, isn't it? You're looking at this t-shirt, would you like these trainers? I think equally just having a chatbot that pops up saying, would you like some help? Would you, or would you like to see this season's trends? And the chatbot could actually even say, you're currently looking at this product. These are the products that are most bought with that by using Shopify data. It, it just starts to become almost like a personal shopping experience with a robot. Exactly. Which is just amazing. I think it's such, such a better way of doing things. Now, you mentioned discount codes and coupons quite a lot. You don't have to discount, do you? I mean, no. it's the quick, quickest and easy way to upsell something, increase you know, basket value, average order value, etc. But you don't just have to go down the discounting route. There are lots of other options. Yeah, not, a, not at all. And I, I think 
you know, there's there's really, you know, limitless options there is like how you want to approach this. Like, you know, if somebody does reach out and ask, like, you know, how much does this cost? Um, then you could just, you know, directly respond. Here it is through the website. Click this link to check out. I, I actually saw and I think a good example of this of like how to handle, you know, those questions around cost or like maybe even concerns around cost. I, I just saw this earlier this week where there was a product on TikTok. It was some sort of like electronic product. And I immediately went to the comments because I was curious, like, how much does it cost? And, you know, people had already researched it for me, posted in the comments. And some people were like, 80 bucks. I'm not sold. That's too much. I don't want to <laughs> nice. spend that much on this. And the brand was doing a great job at responding and not offering a coupon code. And, and the, the tactic that they had, and this is just one idea, something that you could do. Um, the tactic that they had was to respond to everyone saying like, hey, it's definitely worth the cost. Our, our uh, reviews speak for themselves. But if it's too much for you, we're doing a giveaway next month. Make sure to follow and, and stay tuned to, to really keep up with the giveaway that's going to be coming out. And that's just such a great option, right? Rather than offering a, a coupon code or, you know, responding to everybody that's asking for free product, like this is a way to build the following and get more brand recognition, right? Because for whatever terms and conditions you're going to have for that giveaway, it's probably going to involve some way of like cross posting your posts or just your brand or, or sharing with some friends. Like all of those are, you know, effective ways to really respond to that inquiry, you know, around cost without offering a coupon code and building up uh, the brand mm. following at the same time. So, I mean, there's multiple things that you could do there, whether it's just going to be to be direct about price, to offer a discount code, um, to do a giveaway like that. And I think there's probably a million other ideas that, you know, haven't been had yet and, and that are kind of out there in the ether. Really, it's about identifying, you know, internally, like what is going to be the best solution to respond to, you know, some of these issues and problems that come up um, and make sure that we're getting more sales, whether that's going to be you know, a giveaway or or like uh, some sort of offering, uh, whether that's you know additional product. Like, there's always ways that we can convert uh, these incoming tickets into more sales, essentially. Amazing. And it's something I saw the other day, just a, a quick footnote, a quick tip, is when somebody organizes a return, we had I think it was Tentree who we had on. Um, must have been last year now. I think it's part of the Oppo series we did. And Tentree came on and said, "We don't believe in customer returns." and refunds. We believe in customer exchanges. And they would actually offer a 10% off an upgrade. If you said, okay, I don't want this t-shirt and it costs $20. They would then say, well, look, if you want this t-shirt instead, we'll refund you $2, give you 10% back. And here's the other t-shirt. Um, I can't remember if that was the exact way Tentry did it, but they, they just absolutely believe that if somebody wants to return something, they would absolutely make that return super simple, but they would try to understand why they want to return it as quickly as possible without draining lots of the customer time or to make it feel like to the customer that they just weren't actually going to return it or they didn't want to, or they just you know want to keep the cash kind of thing. Um, they did it in a really friendly way. And they also, I think they also had an option where you could actually just earn loyalty points with Yopo instead of... Um, I mean, I don't want to plug Yopo too much. We finished that series, but <laughs> there, there was a there was there was a, a whole you know you can have loyalty points instead of a refund. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I had it with a holiday a while ago. We cancelled the holiday because of COVID, and they said we can either give you a direct refund or we'll bump it up by nearly twenty percent if you want to keep credit on our system, which means they get to keep the cash. But it now means instead of five hundred pounds to go on a holiday, I've now got six hundred, and it's sitting there ready to use. And every now and then, I remember it and think, well, let's have a look at what holidays they've got. <laughs> Again, it's another way you can keep the sale, either exchanging the products or by offering something that means they're actually going to come and spend that money later on. It's almost just a case that you're kind of sitting on it as credit, which is nice. Um, so again, good customer service can actually make you a lot of money or stop you from losing money that inevitably you would have lost in the first place. Loads to learn on, I think. 
last question, Tyler. Gorgeous sounds really expensive because, I mean, it could replace a human, which could be thousands of pounds or dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, it could replace a whole team of people, which could be tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands. But that's not how much Gorgeous costs, is it? I've just had a quick look on your pricing page. <laughs> where, do the, where does the pricing start for you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's it's super reasonable and very transparent uh, within our website. It, it starts at just 60 bucks a month. So when you're looking at the cost of you're replacing a, essentially a whole team of customer service reps for $60 a month, I think that cost speaks for itself. Um, there's some key differentiators in our, our pricing versus some other help desk competitors that are out there, um, primarily being that you don't pay per seat uh, because the tool is so efficient. Uh, what we want to do is really uh, itemize the tickets. And so it's a, a per ticket pricing. And it's not a matter of like, okay, I'm on the $60 a month, uh, lowest ticket plan. Once I hit, you know, 350 tickets, or however many is included, uh, the software turns off, that's not the way that it operates at all. Um, it's just like a, a small additional fee if you do exceed that. Uh, if you have a big month, or maybe you ran like a ton of social media um, advertisements and, and opened up a bunch of tickets that way, like the, the cost looking at the alternatives that are out there of other help desks and just scaling the internal CS teams, I think really speaks for itself. And and I think, you know, if you're considering upping your CS game and really wanting to provide that top tier of service across all your social channels and, you know, through email, through chat, all of these support options, like I can't recommend enough that you take a look at Gorgeous. At the very least, take a trial for a week. And I would be really, really surprised to see that you give it a shot for a week and, and that you don't want to continue using it because it's it's just that effective and that efficient just so everyone's clear tyler it works for gorgeous and he's paid to say that <laughs> i'm not and i'll say it is definitely worth a shot so please do go and check it out um just to put that cost in relation if you stop a couple of returns per month using gorgeous software that would have been returns and refunds it's paid for itself if you can upsell a few new products or find some new customers via social using the tool it's definitely paid for itself so it's a bit of a loss lead to not give it a go. Um, so yeah, go, go and check it out. Um, go and check it out on the website. We'll link to it in the description of the podcast as well. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Nick. This has been so fun. Cool. And for everybody else listening, we'll be back again next week. We post every single Friday. Um, and next week as well, we have an amazing guest. I'm just looking on the schedule that Byron's put in front of me and they're not confirmed. So I'm not going to mention their name <laughs> until they are. Um, but we will be back next week. We've got a few other options if, uh, if those guys aren't available. So thanks so much for listening. Back again next week. And we hope you're all staying safe. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.